powerful but yet simple truth. Hearing God is possible. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. A lot of people, when you talk to them, especially religious people, depending on which ones you engage, they have a lot of ways that they talk about this. I'm going to give you some ways that concern me. When I hear people say the Lord told me all the time, I know he didn't tell them. I know they mean well. I know they're sincere. But a lot of times that's used to validate a point. I want to do something. So if I don't want you to challenge what I'm saying, I said, the Lord told me to do it. That way you have nothing to say. I'm not, can, well, let me say it this way. I do believe God speaks to, to me. I believe the sermon's inspired by God. I believe there are times when I've, things have come to my heart and mind to call people and things I've said in messages that have really inspired people's lives. So I believe God speaks to people. But I'm concerned about the cultural way we approach this topic. And there is a cultural approach to it. There's a cultural approach that can become dangerous, where you use it as a tool to manipulate people, control people, and in many cases, lie to people. Um, I'll jump on this and jump off of it because I promise I'll talk about this next month when I get to my sermon on politics. I'm going to do a whole sermon on it. I am... I, um, I, there's a word in the English language called hubris. The word means to be arrogant, to be self-conceited. When you are a person who feels you heard from God, you can become very arrogant and, and hard to communicate with. You only see it your way. And one of the dangers of this job in standing up here is you can start thinking <laughs> that you are such a representative of God that you can never be wrong. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. So if you're not careful, and I have to fight this all the time, and some people think I'm picking about time and being conscious. No, I understand that I have the mic, but I have to care about you. I have to think about you. I have to make sure you can follow me. I go through all the efforts I go through preparing my sermons in advance so that when I get up here, I at least have something specific I want to say. It's worth your while to listen to me for a few minutes. And I realize that I may never get another chance. So I approach it differently, and that's after 42 years of doing this, and I just really understand the importance of simplicity. So in this series, my goal is to talk about hearing God and protecting your future. Say that with me, please. Come on. Hearing God and protecting your future. That's what I want to do. As we head into next year, protecting your future is what I want to focus on as we go down the road here. Because that's important as you age. What did you do to protect your future? Every time I walk, every time I eat right, every time I exercise, I am protecting my future. Every time I save $5, I am doing what? Protecting my future. When I sleep at night and make sure I get enough sleep like I did last night, I had great sleep last night, I, I, I protect it today. So I'm not tired of that. And it shows. So the, the question is, are you protecting your future? Are you doing the things that you should do to protect you? Not your neighbor, not your children, just you. Now, in this study, I decided to go to the Bible and let it speak to me. So I, I went, and I want to talk about hearing God. 
I thought it'd be great to go to talk, go look at people who talk to God. And the first one to talk to God was Adam and Eve. And I wanted to, to brand each of the conversations. I couldn't talk about all of it, but I said, let me start with Adam and Eve and their son Cain. And in that family, God had a conversation. And that conversation was profound. Now, the last two sermons, so the first two sermons that we're going to deal with, we're going to deal with, first of all, what I call risk-taking conversations. Say that with me, please, come on. Risk-taking conversation. That's the whole conversation God had with Adam and Eve. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I don't want you to do, because if you do this, you're taking a risk. If you eat from this tree, there's a risk involved. Then here's what's going to happen. You're going to die. You're going to lose something. So we'll talk about that. Then the second conversation that, that we'll deal with in the study is a conversation he had with Cain. That would be next week. And the conversation was about transparency. Cain, I want you to be open. I want you to be honest. And sometimes one of the hardest things God can do in dealing with us is getting us to be transparent. We don't hear what he's saying. I just believe that a lot of sincere religious people are not honest. They're not honest in dealing with people, issues. They're just not transparent. Thirdly, I, I made a change. The last two sermons in this series, I didn't like. As a matter of fact, I, I, did, the, I did them, completed them, and they'll be presented to you uh, in a digital format because it's the third and fourth Sunday. And in that sermon, <laughs> I just, I, it was great. I was answering questions about how to hear God, and I'll give you some of that today. But I decided, no, I think I want to go back to a person. So I'm going to show you somebody <laughs> who didn't want to hear God. Because sometimes we want to hear God when we want to. And we don't want to hear God when we don't want to. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Right? So I want to talk about hearing God when you don't want to and then hearing God because of a circumstance. Sometimes you will never hear God until a circumstance comes up in your life. It's not until you broke. One of my favorite sermons to preach in prison is now that you're listening. Now that you're listening, now that your ears are on, Financial situations talk to you. Sometimes it's the voice of God saying, take a move, make a move. Make a step, take a step. Knock on a door, seek, ask. There's something about the series that can really help you if you plow into it with me. Now, there are some disadvantages you come to the series with. I'm going to give you two of them. You ready? First of all, Isaiah 55 and 8. You ready? God doesn't think like us. That's the first problem. So when you're talking to somebody who doesn't think like you, Isaiah 55 and 8 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my, my thoughts, my ways, higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't think alike. I know you, 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 you pray and you're close to God and you sing and you dance and you worship God and you're Christian and you're saved, you got the Holy Ghost, all the things you say about yourself. But you still don't think like him. You're trying to. But you're on your tippy toes. He doesn't think like you. Second thing is Ezekiel 13.2, one of my favorite verses. I love it. He says this, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying, who are now prophesying. Say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination, hear the word of the Lord. The second disadvantage you have is you create your own prophecy, your own voice of God. 
your own, your own thing. You'll look at somebody that you're lusting after and say, that's my husband. No, that's lust. That's dopamine. That's something else. That ain't got nothing to do with that woman or that man being God's choice for you because you looked at them. You may want them, say it this way, I hope that's God's will. I would love for that to be God's will based on what I see now. But that's all that is. That's not love. Now, which brings me to, if I can sidestep again, to another sermon I'm going to teach this coming, this month, to the young, to the, you can come if you want to, the young adult service. But I'm going to, I'm going to teach a sermon, boy, I love it. It's called, Who is Playing with My Switches? Switch. Who is Playing with My Switches? I want to talk about this whole idea that sometimes we misdefine things. You think it's one thing, but it's not. If you're not going to come, make sure you listen to this one. Tune in. It's, I'm going to give a book recommendation. It's a wonderful concept that I think is powerful. A lot of times it's hard to figure out, uh, why did I fall in love and out of love? Why did I want something and then couldn't stand it once I got it? I wanted the car, got the car, and now I can't stand the car. Why am I up? Why am I down? Don't miss a sermon. It's a great one. The third Sunday. Amen. You got it? Say amen. amen. Now, so there are disadvantages to trying to hear God. I want to give you seven examples of how God speaks to us. And this is where you get bogged down. Okay? Seven examples. You, you take too long, so I'm going to whip through these. You ready? All seven. If you got the notes, you can follow me fast. If not, get them later. Here we go. You ready? All seven. First of all, he speaks to those who called him. Say that with me, please. He said, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. If you call me, he says, I'll answer you. So that's one way God speaks to people. So he says he does. Number two, he speaks to those who read what he says. Psalms 119 and uh, I'm sorry, I didn't give you the verse. The first one was Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you. The second one is Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my, to, my, to my path. If you read, he says, I'll speak to you through the word, through the reading. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit of the joints and of the moral, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I speak to you through, through the word. I, I have been amazed at how many times I don't have a clue what a sermon, a sermon, I don't know what to talk about, and I can just open the word up. And just ask myself a question. I can just start reading. And, and he speaks to me through the written word. But not only through the written word. I believe just through reading, period. But mainly through the written word. Number three, he speaks to those who have relationship with him. Say that with me, please. Come on. He speaks to those who have. Here's what John 10, 27 says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I love Revelation chapter 3, 2, verse 20. All this is in the notes, okay? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. If you, if you seek a relationship with God, he'll talk to you. Number four, he speaks to, he speaks to the Holy Spirit. This can sound spooky, but it's not. The Holy Spirit simply is God's spiritual presence in our lives. It's God's presence in life. And he says this. He says, the, the helper, this is in John chapter 14, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. As you interact with God, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, will begin to remind you of things. Don't do that. You'll feel it. You'll feel it. You'll feel it. Many times, even when you're 
not walking with God, that presence is, touches you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You in the club and in that voice, get out of here. You ever heard that? Get out of the club. Time to go home. Yeah. Okay. Number five, he speaks to experiences. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. He speaks to experiences. Verse 11, first Corinthians 10. These things happen, talking, talking about Israel, to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the, the culmination of the ages have come. These things were examples, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. God says, look, some people I, I put in front of you and say, I want you to look at this cousin. I want you to look at this nephew. I want you to look at this person. And this is an example for you to learn from. Man, wow. I love this comment one guy said. He said, experience is not the best teacher. Proven experience is. Watching what someone else has gone through can help you avoid a lot. Number six, you ready? He speaks through advisors. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But many, with many advisors, they succeed. Plans fail for lack of counsel. No one can talk to you. Not really. One of the best comments a lawyer friend of mine said to me, he said, Ricky Temple, I'm going to ask you some questions. He said, because you tend to come from Venus someplace. When I ask you a question, you don't say what I think you're going to say. And I want you to give me the answer with the hot sauce. Now, now most of us want an answer, but without the hot sauce. You need somebody to say to you when you say, I want to know what you think I could be. And they, if they love you, they can say, well, if I look at your room, it don't look like you're going to be much. As we step over your jump that you drop all over the floor and flew from yes last week under the bed, I don't think you're going to be a good manager because you can't manage your own work. How are you going to qualify for a $100,000 job? Why are you quiet? Some of you say, I should have cleaned up before I came to church. I know I should have cleaned up before I came to church. All them dishes piled up in the sink, all that stuff. You living like, why are you living like that? Why are you living like that? Why are you doing that? How you going to pray for God? See, see what I'm saying? Now, that's, that's with the hot sauce. That's with the hot sauce. You're going to look for a job. You walk in there. Hair ain't right. Stuff all wrinkled. Why would they hire you? See, I'm just saying, you promised you'd be on time and you're always late. See, those are things I've had to work through in my personal life. Because I understand the importance of of good counsel. It's hard for someone to sit you down financially. I, I submit to that process. Every 30 days, I go through the sermon review process every week on purpose. The whole reason I went back for a doctoral program and all the stuff I'm working on, I'm about, about to defend my dissertation on burnout. But anyway, the whole thing is because I wanted to put myself under... Review. Who can talk to you? You're asking for God to do something that he can't do for you. Because, listen to me, no one can talk to you. And it doesn't pay to try to win you over. They get no money for winning you over. Well, I just don't agree. Okay, fine. If that's what you want to think like. But if you really want to succeed in life, if you want to hear from God, Plans fail for lack of counsel. 
with many advisors, they succeed. That's why Ephesians says this in chapter 4, verse 11. He gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. I want to say something, and I want to be careful how I say this. The reason some people don't like church is because they don't want to be led by anybody. I'm not trying to blame you. I'm just saying what I think. Y'all, y'all watching from home. Some people don't want to be led by anybody. They don't want any form of accountability. I understand when you, if you miss church, people shouldn't walk up to you every time and say, why were you last week? Don't do that to people, okay? Please don't do that here. They weren't here. They were not here. And when you see me, you don't have to tell me you weren't here. Because here's what I think. Whenever you tell me I wasn't in church last week and I'm sorry, my thought is you didn't want to be there. Something came up. I think the best. Can I get an amen, somebody? Right. But, but what I'm saying is one of the good things about being in a family and being accountable is somebody does ask you something sometime. You shouldn't be offended because somebody asked you something sometime. And so I, I believe that we, we fight counsel, so that's an important thing. God, but God speaks to advisors. Lastly, he speaks to us. Watch this. He speaks to us as we reach to him. I love James 4 and 8. As we reach to him, he speaks to us. Here's what it says. Come near to God, and he will do what? Come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You're double-minded. I just love the way that reads. Seven ways God speaks to us. Now, let me give you an example of this. And in the life of Adam and Eve, this is what I call a risk-taking conversation. First conversation in the Bible, first time. Adam and Eve is hearing from God. And the conversation is all about risk. Notice that. The first conversation that God has with Adam and Eve that's recorded is a warning. I want to give you something to think about, he says. The Lord God, this is chapter uh, uh, 1, took man, ch chapter uh, 1, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely do what? Die. I want you to understand this conversation is loaded with three or four important observations. Number one, notice there's a boundary responsibility. God gave them lines they should never cross. The first conversation was, don't go past this line. I don't want you to go past this line. If you go past this line, chapter 2, you can eat anything you want to eat, guys, but just don't go past this line. Now, some people are good as long as you don't give them a boundary. But that's what God said. Now, in chapter 2, verse 15, he said this. He gave them not only boundary responsibilities, he gave them physical responsibilities. God wants you to have boundaries you don't cross, and God wants you to have specific physical things you do. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Physical things you do. You've got to be careful about the dreaming about retirement where you don't do anything. I think you should always have something physical that you're engaging. Here's what he says. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. He wanted him to work. He wanted him to do something. I, I feel better when I'm engaged. And I believe that, that if, if I'm talking to God, he wants me 
to be engaged. He doesn't want me to be lazy. Thirdly, he gave them mental responsibilities. Let's repeat them. Come on, say boundary responsibilities, physical responsibility, and mental responsibilities. Chapter 2, verse 20. So Adam gave names to all of the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. But notice, he wanted his mind to work. Thirdly, fourthly, he wanted him to have relationship responsibility. I I like the fact that the Bible describes in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 8, that God came down in the cool of the day and walked among them. There was a personal moment every day they had with God. That was their relationship responsibility. Now, when you think about this for a minute, how do you do with boundaries? How do you do with um, your, your physical responsibilities? How do you do with mental responsibilities? How do you do with your relationship, your personal relationship responsibilities? Those are the things you want. When God talked to them in the first conversation, that's what he talked about. Now, what's interesting is <laughs> sometimes when people are saying God, they talk to God, they're not talking about this stuff. They're talking about stuff that's all somewhere in the sky someplace. Notice he's talking about down-home, everyday responsibilities. I have a view. I call it rituals and routines. My ritualistic responsibilities determine my future. If I can respect boundaries, if I hear from God, he'll draw boundaries for me. If I hear from God, he's going to say to you, this is what I want you to think about. He's going to get, he is a very practical God. It's not about all this sp- spooky stuff someplace out in the sky. Notice how down home this is. Then lastly, notice there's a transparent responsibility. God wanted them to tell him the truth. Chapter 3, verse 8. Now, this is after they've eaten the fruit, right? And so God comes down and says, okay, watch what happens. He says, all right, Adam, where are you? He's calling for them. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord. This is the first time, and we don't know how long they lived before this happened, but this is the first time the Bible records their response to being confronted. Because what they've done is they've ignored what they heard. Chapter 3 of Genesis, they violate their relationship, and now what they do is they hide. Are you hiding? You're saying you want to talk to God, but you cannot have a conversation if you're hiding. Let me tell you what really feels good. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm not lying. I I ain't got nobody on the side. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't got none of that going on. I done told y'all, if I'm going to be crazy, I'll come and tell you. You ain't got to get no video cameras out. I'm going I'm to tell you. I told Diane, I ain't cheating on you. If I cheat on you, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to give you a notice. I'm going to send you an email. Diane, on this day, I decide to be a fool. <laughs> come what may, I ain't hiding nothing. I'm not hiding. Living, living in the shadows is hard. I'm not going to ask you if you've lived in the shadows, but let's ask this question. Have you ever known anybody that lived in the shadows? Put your hand up for them, not you. Put your hand up for them. You ever know anybody living in the shadows? What's hard about living in the shadows? Talk to me. What's hard about living in the shadows? Living in the shadows. What else? Not you. Just keeping up alive. What else? Remember what you say? You forget where you've been. 
when, what, what, what time was it? You had to figure all that out. See, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it, that's why when I was up here just a minute ago and, and, and my device froze on me, I just told you, oh, it's acting up. I can fake. Hallelujah. Say amen, somebody. Hey, Jesus. Father, in your name, inside I'm going, ah, inside I'm praying. But, but <laughs> you see, I just told you, freed myself, I felt good. Now, we're going to all wait for this computer to come back up again in Jesus' name. I didn't care what you thought. See, I, see, that's called living transparently. I'm free. Come on, say be free. free. I'm going to tell you something. Now, I, I believe in this. God said to them, he, actually, he, said, he said, they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Like That's going to protect you. But the Lord, God called to the man and he said these words, three words. Say, where? Talk to me, church. Come on, say, where, where are you? Where are you? Where are you, Ricky Temple? You tired, boy? My wife asked me that one day. She said, you tired? You want to retire? This new schedule you got going on? You trying to retire? I said, no. I'm ready to go. But I'm just running at a pace so I can run a long time. Come on, say amen if you hear me. A lot of churches tired. They tired. Pastor tired, volunteers tired, baby's tired, everybody tired. <laughs> everybody tired. I'm going to say something. You know, my wife told me when I told her we were going to go to first, second Sunday, live 9 and 11 service, and then we're going to do third Sunday special event Sunday. So, you know, like this Sunday is young adults. Next Sunday be men. Men are going to be together next month. Okay, 11 o'clock. Great. Third Sunday. So, we, you know, and then we have all kinds of special events. And, and she said, you trying to go back to a country church? I said, maybe they knew something. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against adding stuff. I mean, I just, I'm just simply saying, think about the average church. They're all tired. They're shrinking. The average church has 80 people on Sunday morning. They ain't got no money either. either. They, they, they're financially struggling. They have big buildings with no people. We're touching thousands of people. I'm not saying this the perfect way, but I'll tell you this, I'm transparent. I believe that if you don't change, uh, well, I'm going to get off of a minute here. If I can be, the church is in trouble right now. Politically, it's in trouble because it's convincing people of things they don't mean to convince them of. We are making some decisions that we can't get away from. And that's another conversation. Secondly, before COVID, numbers were going down in churches. Youth, the average church, I'm 65. The average pastor friend of mine who's my age, the members in their church are in their 60s. The average age here is still 36, 38. They're about somewhere in their 30s. I'm, I'm proud of that. See, I think the problem is sometimes if you're not careful, you, you're not being honest about where you are. You're not honest about where you are financially, physically, emotionally. When your back start hurting, when your lips start hurting, when your knees start hurting, when your hips start hurting, your body's talking to you, I'm falling apart. Your body's telling you, stop doing that. Your body's telling you, don't eat that. Things are happening in you, and if you're not transparent, this is the moment where God gave Adam and Eve that opportunity. Where are you? Say that out loud. Come on. 
Switch it around. Say, where am I? That's the question. He answered, I heard you in the garden. God, this is amazing. And I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. Never said that before. And I love, I love God's response. Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? He already knew, but he asked him a question. Immediately, he blames the woman. It's the woman you gave me. Excuse me. Got anointed there, sorry. It's the woman you gave me. She, Eve don't say anything. Eve just quiet. I ain't got nothing to say. I, she, she never comments. She, just, she, she got what she said. She said the serpent. Yeah, she points to the serpent. But she doesn't say anything back to him. Now, stop blaming me. That's what the average woman said. What you blaming me for? You was right there. You could have stopped it. But she turns to the serpent. Notice with me. This is what happens in an honest conversation with God. Have you paid attention to the risk that God warned you about? Have you been transparent? Are you being honest about where you really are? Now, here's what I believe. God redeemed this. He fixed everything. What they thought couldn't be fixed, God redeemed it all. And I believe you can do that in your life. But it all starts with one big word, say transparency. And we'll talk more about that next week. Let's all stand. 31 minutes, people. I'm done. Father, we have in this moment faced ourselves. A real conversation with God is with the hot sauce. The truth. The truth about our choices, our decisions. Come what may. God couldn't heal Adam and Eve until they admitted they were naked. That they had been listening to the wrong voices, making the wrong decisions. And God, you can't help us until we do that. And we will never be able to do what we say we want to do until we can hear from you. So in these sermons, I pray, in this month, may we as a church hear from God. Whatever services we need to add, whatever changes we need to make, help us to hear from God. In Jesus' name. I'm going to throw this out for a minute. You know, I don't have you folks fasting all the time. I'm not against fasting. I, I try to live a fasted life. I'm pretty consecrated. I pray a lot and all that good stuff. But you know what I think people miss sometimes when they do that? They use that as, a, as an excuse. Well, I fasted. But you didn't tell the truth. When you got off the fast, you went back to your same rituals and routines. Grab your communion. That's right. Get your communion. This is a symbol of a true surrender to God. 
This is a cylinder. If you didn't get one of these, raise your hand. If you're home, go to the kitchen, get you some juice, some crackers or bread. Raise your hand. If you can't open it, we're going to partake together in just a minute. Jesus, when he left, he said, I want you to partake of communion to remember the importance of being transparent with God. The bread is a symbol of my body broken for you. The juice is a symbol of my life that was given for you. All this is a declaration of honesty, truth. I would not be here without Jesus. I couldn't make it without him. If you don't know Christ, this is the time to say, Father, I want you in my life. Communion is not for perfect people. It's for honest people. It's honest. If you jacked up, that's good. Back here, right here in the back. Raise your hand. There's some people right here, their hands up. And again, go to the kitchen, get you some juice there. Everett, if you got something out there. That's right. I see your names out there. Get you some juice and can of water. Not water. Get you some juice if you got some. If you don't have some, buy some. Keep it in the refrigerator for these services every first Sunday. You ready? Father, we lift up this bread to you, symbolizing your life, which is given for us. We come to partaking, transparently admitting our faults and failures, thanking you for your life and your love. We ask your blessing upon this in Jesus' name. So we settle it, Lord, today, believing your word, believing what you've done for us works, believing that you alone. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, let this be that moment where you say, Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. May I be forgiven, washed in your blood, transformed. If you've been away from God, you're coming back to God right now. We declare that in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that was a prayer you prayed and you say, yeah, I want to give my life to God, Pastor. I prayed with you and that was my prayer. Raise your hand with every head bowed so I know who prayed that prayer. I pray for you. I see one. Anybody else? I see more. Do I see more? I see more hands. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. I just want to know who you are so I can just pray one final prayer. If you're watching from home, same thing. I want you to type in that chat right there on the line, online where it says, I, I, I give my life to Christ. Type in the chat. I raise my hand. Right now, believe it, this is that moment. Father, we pray for those who raised their hands, those who lifted their hands both in this building and those who are online, healing and grace, even those who are on demand. We declare by faith this is the beginning of a new life in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.